0: In this episode of the Science Communication Journal Club podcast, we talk about social solutions for climate change communication, and we share some insights from the European Ecological Federation meeting, which we attended this summer in Lisbon, Portugal. But first things first, our intro. Hello and welcome to the Psycom JC podcast, your one stop shop for effective and impactful science communications approaches. Psycom JC is sponsored by Captive Touch, a company offering consulting and training for strategic science communication. At JC, we aim to help scientists integrate findings from the latest evidence-based research in social sciences and education into their outreach efforts. We curate, summarize and discuss research studies and their applications to real communication contexts in a way that scientists can easily implement. Today, we have behind the mics the usual suspects – Sherry, Melissa and Minevena Hristozova. We also have a very special guest with us for a second time on our podcast, that's Ruben Oliveira, one of the organizers of the Ecology Across Borders Congress, which took place this August in Lisbon, Portugal, and which our team got the chance to collaborate with as a media partner and to contribute to the scientific program. Hi. It's nice uh, to have you again to speak and to speak about this very nice event that we attended. Uh, Let me first give though the chance to our very special guest to introduce himself and to tell us a little bit more about the event itself and uh, Ruben you were already on a previous episode of this podcast so to our listeners if you haven't listened to it you really should it's number eight to our listeners if you haven't listened to it go to your podcatcher and uh, listen to it because you definitely should tell us a bit about yourself Ruben
1: hey, thank you for the introduction Rena. Uh, first, let me thank you again for having me in your podcast and for the amazing collaboration we had before, during, and after DEF Lisbon 2019. So, I'm a biologist, an ecologist, and more recently a science communicator. I work at SPECU, the Portuguese Ecological Society, which is a scientific society that caters Portuguese ecologists and promotes ecology as a transdisciplinary science. Together, we worked for almost a year to make it happen. It was a very difficult job for such a small team, but the results have been totally worth it. I'm really happy with the results and the incredible positive feedback we received. We are now working in the outputs of the rich and amazing scientific program and discussions we had. The Congress has built bridges for science, society, and different areas of knowledge. It was groundbreaking in this sense, so it must give an extra effort to take it beyond Lisbon.
0: That's lovely. Sherry, tell us how did we get involved with that that Congress? Sure. Uh, Well,
2: Ruben approached me um, on LinkedIn. I'm happy that he did. And then we discussed about how we can support the Congress, extend its reach. And then we also talked about having... One of us gave a presentation at the conference and we had a Twitter chat beforehand and a podcast. And then um, since you, Navena, were in Europe, uh, you became our representative at the conference. You gave a talk based on a book that I ra- uh, wrote. Um, I, a few years ago, I was approached by the Scripps Institution of Oceanography to teach a climate change communication course. And at the time... There was no textbook for such a course, and I don't think there still is, so I decided to write one, and Nevena and I worked together, and we put together a killer presentation, I believe, between some of the excerpts from the book and what Nevena brought in, and uh, i I don't know, I may be biased, but I think you did a fantastic job.
0: I think it was great as well oh thank you Ruben indeed so our talk was built partially uh, on the basis of uh, Sherry's book which is called Social Solutions for Climate Change Um, so I got doubly lucky in this context because being the only European member of the Psycom JC uh, team at the moment uh, it was obviously the reasonable um, for me to go Uh, so I got to go to Lisbon which I've seen before once briefly but But now it gave me the opportunity to meet more people from there and to see the beautiful city. And the second reason why I consider myself very lucky was that I got to read uh, Sherry's book. Obviously, in order to prepare for this talk, I had the excuse to spare time for that reading and it was very helpful for me as well to learn things that I could then discuss with the attendees of the conference. In this talk, we spoke about the different types of people based on their uh, levels of knowledge and interest for climate change and different factors that shape their respective perceptions on the topic and obviously that doesn't extend, does not extend not only to climate change but in general to scientific outreach efforts. We spoke about the different factors which influence the position of the different members of the society, predominantly based on the moral foundations theory by Jonathan Haidt. There's a lot of information about this. I'm not a philosopher, so I don't believe that I'm the best person to go into a lot of depth about the moral Foundation's theory, but there's a lot of information widely available online. And as mentioned already, it's very nicely summarized for the purposes of uh, communication in terms of uh, uh, climate change in Sherry's book. So that's uh, one very useful and practical tool that one can use uh, to start their activities.
2: Jonathan Hayes. Yeah, uh, so he is a psychologist. He actually studies moral psychology. And if for anybody who is interested to get deeper into this topic, I suggest to read his book, um, which is called The Righteous Mind, Why We Are Separated by Politics and Religion. It's, it's, an, it's not an easy read. It's a thick book. But if you are interested in getting really deep into moral foundations, I highly suggest reading his book.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that I need to endeavor at some point. <laughs> for more details. But as I said, your book, Sherry, is already practical enough guide to try and utilize some of the key messages from that book. And of course, if someone is more interested in the really the psychological um, uh, deep background behind that theory, you can definitely go and read John, Jonathan Haidt's book. Um, but as I was saying, one of my favorite things from our presentation actually was the few example audiences that we, uh, that we reviewed with the audience at our talk. So we had a couple of, uh, actually three different, very different from each other types of people, uh, which are very much realistic examples of members of the society with their different knowledge, attitudes, and interests in in climate change activities. We had two messages, which uh, they were either exact examples from uh, media available messages from uh, newspapers or magazines or or radio programs would have been very differently perceived by those example audiences and we had the chance in a very short game with the audience attending our talk to try and establish which message, while both of them being factually, factually correct, would have reached uh, more successfully the specific uh, example member of the public that we had um, presented to them. So that was a lot of fun. And it was very interesting for the people as well to see that indeed, you don't have to be wrong in your messaging to not get the outcome that you're trying to get. So this is something as well, very Uh, thoroughly explained in sherry's book how can you understand your audience how do you find the um, different psychological switches uh, that can help you tailor your messages for real to to a specific audience so you actually have more successful outreach to them and following that some of the um, Actually, some of the slides that we prepared for that presentation, we shared in our Twitter chat from 9th of October. So you can find those on our uh, psychom underscore JC Twitter moments. So you can always refer to those things. And, and as I said, you can definitely start with many of the free tools that uh, Sherry has provided links to in her book. And with the descriptions in her book, social solutions for climate change, and they can also go to the web. Yes, indeed. And there's a lot of there's a big community that can help you uh, find your way on communicating on science uh, and uh, climate climate change. Uh, but that was our uh, participation. Ruben, tell us about generally uh, what did we see during the congress in Lisbon.
1: So uh, the the quality of the invited speakers were was uh, overwhelming. This was my first impression during the conference. I mean,
0: I concur. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I knew they were very good, but even so, they really surprised me and many of the participants, for sure, like you. So we aimed to have transdisciplinary and transgenerational discussions, and I do believe we achieved this purpose. We engage scientists with different backgrounds, stakeholders, companies, and many institutions always maintaining a great balance between senior and young participants. Another aspect I would like to highlight was the first day of the Congress. It was completely open to the public and it made an important difference from from preceding events in terms of public engagement with science. Given the title, Embedding Ecology in Sustainable Development Goals and what it implies, no other decision would be more satisfying uh, beyond the scientific program. We also had art exhibitions by seven highly talented artists from the fine arts, sculpture, photography, and cinema, each one in his own manner, promoting environmental awareness and sustainability in a very effective and truly beautiful way. Speaking of sustainability, we made a huge effort to make EF Lisbon 2019 as sustainable as possible. We implemented practical measures to maintain our vision and concept alive. So I can say this is EF Lisbon. 2019 in a nutshell. What do you think, novena?
0: Indeed, I was, well, to be honest, I wasn't surprised about the quality of the speakers, because at an event like this, I do expect to have great speakers. But indeed, both the keynotes and the parallel session speakers were had very interesting topics. I, I'm very impressed by the sheer variation in the parallel sessions topic so you had everything from uh, bioeconomy ecology uh, climate change you had things on soil you had biochemistry so that was really impressive what really though the the there were many things that i liked about the contrast congress but the one thing that really i absolutely loved um is the number of young researchers you had as part of the program. And when I say young researchers, I don't just mean early career scientists because there were also early PhD students. There were even master students there and quite a few of them that I saw. So when I realized that there's quite a bit of uh, young people presenting their master's projects and PhD projects in the program, I kind of made a point of try and go and see m- more of those. Um, and that was really really nice because it's I haven't in my master's I haven't attended a conference before and I can see the difference that it makes for young people it gives them the chance to train from quite well to practice from quite an early stage in their career presenting at such a big event and the other thing that they were quite also advanced scientists in the rooms in the parallel sessions. So they had the chance to get very useful, um, constructive, and critical feedback on their work And everyone was extremely positive and trying to give ideas, especially to the young people, how they can make their research questions better, how they can take their research further. So that was very, very nice. This you have to admit that it's the first congress I saw that much young scientists presenting, and that was really nice.
1: Yeah, the, the, the only thing I didn't like was not seeing all the talks I wanted to see. (laughs)
0: yeah that's that's the trade-off you have so much going on at the same time that yeah you just had to clone yourself at (laughs) some point many
1: times for myself many times
0: (laughs) yeah indeed but I think that's better to have so many interesting things to make sure that everyone finds something for themselves than actually having people bored (laughs) and that that's how you make sure that next time you organize that event even if it's not in Lisbon that people will still come again to actually see the progress on the things that they couldn't see the previous time (laughs) and yeah something else that i really enjoyed which is a a personal thing for me that you had quite a bit of focus on science communication and outreach as, as well so there were both from the keynotes and from the parallel sessions there was a whole pillar on science communication and it was great to see that scientists are finally collectively growing into the idea of the importance of getting in touch with a different stakeholder audience and, and actually trying to really do it right. So that was very refreshing as well.
1: Yeah, I, I feel the same, yeah.
0: And what about you, Ruben? What is next for you personally? <laughs> Because so, I can imagine that now that the Congress is pretty much finished and you have only the proceedings, you would have a bit of free time to, to endeavor on something new. Not really. Oh, no! <laughs> there
1: are still many things that uh, uh, me and Speku and Professor Maria Amelie want to do regarding the Congress.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: in uh, Making that uh, uh, idea of taking the Congress beyond Lisbon and outreach it as much as possible. Uh, my, I, I intend basically to pursue this mission of connecting science and society and creating in everyone's minds a broader definition of ecology. You know, a holistic science able to touch different domains of knowledge. Science communication is, well, the, the perfect tool to do it, so I'm planning to keep investing in projects and different approaches to fulfill the same. Uh, for instance, this week, as I, I was t- telling you, as a direct output of the Congress, PEC has launched the, the Responsibility of Ecologists uh, that aims to be a fundamental document to guide professional activity of ecologists, and their relationship with society. We have opened the debate hoping to receive feedback from the community. This is one example and I can already see a few more in a recent feature.
0: Oh wow, this is very interesting. Do you have an estimate when that document would be ready? Uh,
1: so we are expecting to disseminate it and present the final version of it in the Intercol uh, Congress in uh, 2021 and till then we are, we are hoping to receive many comments and suggestions from the community and out of it as well to implement and to to have a document that's well accepted by by everyone basically.
0: That's great. So do you then approach the scientists which you think can contribute significantly to that project or uh, is it like an open call that people can
1: um... yeah, both actually.
0: Okay so great We
1: have uh, you know the def the the has many uh, societies yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. So we are hoping that they disseminate in their own uh, for their own associates. We'll do the same here in Portugal, and we're hoping that uh, uh, the ecology, Ecological Society of America uh, also disseminates it. And so maybe we can uh, reach many people and have many people contributing to this important document.
0: Well, you heard it here, people. If you want to know more and how you can potentially get involved, get back to Ruben Oliveira on LinkedIn or Twitter <laughs> to receive more information. Sherry, tell us what you think about all this. It's awesome.
2: And, and I want to hear from, well, first of all, when that document comes, which is, what do you say, 2021? No,
1: the, the, the document is already available.
2: Uh-huh. So,
1: Sherry, uh, you can also... Uh, Make your comment, so please do it. <laughs> it would be very good if you could comment, and Avend and Melissa, everyone from Psychom JC, uh, oh. because we ha- we have uh, really uh, make an effort to connect uh, ecology and and society, and there are many targets in- inside the document that uh, uh, could improve if many people could see them and make suggestions.
2: Sure, we'd love to. Um, we'd love to take a look at it and comment, and then when. You're ready to distribute it. We'll be happy to help you spread the word. Thank you. Yeah. So what is, uh, you men touched on that a little bit. What, what are you guys planning for next year for this conference?
1: This conference is biannual. So uh, it will be a joint conference with the International Ecological Society, the INTECOL. So it, it will only happen in 2021 in Geneva, Switzerland and i'm not quite sure what will be the topic of the conference because it, it tends to to switch to cover uh, all the different areas of ecology you know uh, so as soon as i i know something i i will share it
2: <laughs> and i'm wondering since uh, this conference is open to the public if you guys may maybe plan something um outside the scientific talks i don't know maybe uh a festival or something, you know, how people go outside and stand on a box or something or presentations just for the general public, like making, a, making it a, as maybe part of a few days conference, just one day for the public rather than scientists talking among them.
1: We tried to do it in the, the first day of, of the EF Lisbon. Um, you know, we had two debates with uh, many topics being raised. And actually, I think that the, the kind of language that was used w- was appropriate for a, a non-scientific audience. So I hope that the next Congress also considerates it. And, you know, if you can take it a little bit further, why, why not? I'm here to help.
2: <laughs> yeah, because if, you, uh, if you're if you going to have more participation, it has to have more of an entertainment value in it uh, rather than just information.
1: No, uh, we, I totally agree. That That's why we, we also... Uh, Included art in our in our Congress. That was exactly the point, yeah.
0: And by the way, I just need to mention that I have a couple of pictures from the art that was available in the common areas in the coffee break rooms uh, in the conference in Lisbon. And I was amazed. Some of the things were just so ingenious. It was really, really beautiful, so I can uh, share those on Twitter. and most of the art, uh, that was in front of the plenary rooms. Was actually art from uh, different, uh, mostly plastics that were recuperated from the beaches in Portugal, and it was just amazing to see. From, wow. from one side, it was really disturbing what kind of things people threw away, but on the other hand, it was just impressive to see that even that can be turned into something quite beautiful in the end.
1: Yeah, I, I was r- really surprised uh, positively, positively with uh, with the art and the artists and all the you know they, they were really happy to share their artworks in a, in a congress and i was not expecting expecting it because it i know it's not usual to to do it
0: yeah it's not the standard field <laughs> but how do we move forward Cherry? well um
2: i'm excited that uh, this document is coming out um but with our aside from these um talks that we attend and these festivals we try to to arrange to get the uh, public engaged. I think we just have um, have to include the topic of ecology and conservation and sustainability in our everyday lives, in everything we do, without being uh, shaming people for, for using plastics. Uh, and rather than teaching, we just try to talk about it all the time and uh, basically be an example with our... The way that we spend our own money, that we in a way that we live our own lives, and then also be cognizant of the fact that people's uh, perceptions are shaped by their moral foundations, their life experiences, and their identity. Um, so when we shape a message, we have to uh, really sh- uh, shape it in a way that is received by a particular type of audience because if anything we've learned through 50 years of trying to communicate climate change and also in our day, everyday politics, people can see exactly the same type of information and uh, interpret it in completely opposite ways. Proper messaging is very, very important. Um, And I think it's... uh, it's true that we spend a lot of time and about learn science and the scientific information is important. But I think um, if we are to succeed in communicating science and inspire people, uh, we have to spend some time learning about human behavior, human psychology, and what shapes our decision-making. There's lots of literature out there, many of which I've referenced in my book and I've tried to, Uh, put it all into one complete package as to uh, all these things you need to consider. They're examples. Um, So it's also important that we understand how properly used social media channels. And as I mentioned, um, when we talk about ecology, climate change, sustainability, it's important not to have um, a tone that would Um, blame people, that would shame people, that would make the problem. Mm -hmm. It it is a huge problem, but when the problem is shown as a disaster, uh, it kind of can seem overwhelming and it can turn people off. There's also considerations with knowing how to debunk um, misinformation. There's plenty of them out there and I've tried to uh, in the book, try to provide suggestions that I learned myself by reading books and taking courses um, about how to deal with misinformation, um, so that it doesn't backfire. There's a lot. There's a lot that the scientific community can learn uh, from what's already out there about social science research in social science, science of decision making, psychology, um, and what if I had one final message is that as science communicators, it's important that we don't pigeonhole ourselves into just reading science, science of science communication stuff. We need to broaden our reading into all these different disciplines that I talked about. So, and yeah, and then share, uh, again, be an example and without Shaming people, just show people how you have changed your life, what you are doing to make a difference. And that can, um, that can inspire people without making them feel bad.
0: Yeah, there was also one of the talks during the conference. It was really uh, pointing out the fact that the can-do positive messages go much further than the doomsday type of communication that we've seen a lot in the past because people at some point just start thinking that there's absolutely nothing we can do and it's just so bad that whatever we do, it's not going to make a difference. So as long as we have little advances and (laughs) there was a, a very stupid advertisement on uk tv at some point every little helps but it's true that uh, everyone can contribute something little to the whole uh, to the whole movement to the whole activity that in the end all the little things would make a difference in the grand scheme yeah of and another
2: thing another important thing is that you don't really sometimes you don't really have to convince people to believe in human caused climate change or the fact that we are causing it in order to get them to do the right thing. And a good example of it is county Mm -hmm. in Texas, uh, where they basically um, run their whole energy through wind farms. And we all know that Texas isn't really known for its uh, accepting um, climate change as a human cause entity. So keep that in mind. You don't necessarily, if you can get people to do the right thing without forcing them to believe that climate change is... Human cause that should work too, as long as we can show them the benefits that alternative forms of energy uh, can provide, the benefits that sustainability can provide. Um, that's the that's the ultimate goal. Then no, no, you talked about this. You talked about this. Uh, Dawn, what's her name? She was talking about making plants um, visible.
0: Can you say a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, Dawn Sanders. Indeed, uh, she, um, correct me Ruben if I'm wrong, but I think she originally has a plant scientist education and now she's doing a lot of art and science outreach herself.
1: Yeah, she works in a, in a botanical garden. So
0: you can find her on, on uh, Twitter, by the way, Dawn Sanders. She was one of the keynote speakers at the conference in Lisbon. And I absolutely loved her talk. So me being... A scientist and quite actively involved in science communication she just showed me even to myself how um, easy it is to have a blind spot on something because her talk was basically focused a little bit on um, how neglected plans have been in uh, science communication and science outreach especially but not only related to climate uh, climate change communication because it's To some extent, we do believe or we do perceive ourselves uh, animals as more uh, easy tools to use as like poster children for science communication or for biodiversity loss. But plants are suffering even more from the climate change uh, than than animals are. And they can be just as fascinating subjects to be used uh, in science communication and outreach To people, and there's a lot of art that she showed in her home university as well, in including in the buildings of the university uh, faculties that she's um, that was centered about plants, and it was quite impressive to see that. And indeed, I haven't really given it much thought, given that I'm a plant scientist myself uh, as a background. I hadn't really realized that we've turned a bit of a blind eye to the huge potential that plants have uh, in terms of being uh, useful friends in 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 sense communication and outreach. So that's one of one of the talks. To be honest, that uh, it was definitely my favorite, and she's a a lovely person to hear speak, which is no surprise then that she was... <laughs> A keynote speaker at the <laughs> conference, but yeah, go follow her on Twitter, you can find her there as well. What is her home university, uh, Gothenburg? Yes, indeed, she's in Sweden.
2: Sweden, okay. Yeah. Well, we I, I reached out to her on uh, Twitter, and I think at some point uh, our program for 2019 is full, but in 2020, I'd love to have her be a guest and our one of our chats and, mm. and have a conversation with her on our podcast. Would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be great. That,
1: that would be a great idea.
0: Yeah. yeah, there's a lot that each of us can do, uh, including people with less means to do a lot of change. As I said before, every little effort helps, and there's everything that each one of us, irrelevant of our uh, economic or political status, can do. Obviously, it's not sustainable if you don't have the means to try and do big things, but you can always do something little that would help you, uh, yourself and also the environment. So the question is to just find what that thing is.
1: Uh, One of the things is to engage with people from the economical areas and political areas and sociology areas, work together with them and see how uh, it's like, you know, um, it would increase the strength of a message Mm. to have a, a broader support rather from the scientific only.
2: You
1: know, Definitely, uh, and I have I had a, an experience this week in which I, I went talk to a in a, a top faculty actually that uh, focuses on economics and management. And when I asked the audience if uh, they had any kind of discipline regarding to uh, sustainable development, uh, they said they didn't have any.
2: Wow! So
1: they never hear in a faculty of economics and management the you know the words. Sustainable development. That's
2: amazing! That's amazing. So a that lot. was
1: like uh, eye-opening. You know, uh, they really need to have this kind of uh, messages, this kind of information in their education. Otherwise, the, sci- the scientists can, you know, I feel like it that the scientists try to reach them, but they don't try to reach scientists because they don't have the information to do it.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's a very good point.
1: So that was really eye-opening for me, and and know, Maybe it's just here, maybe it's spread out in many other faculties.
0: Oh, I doubt it. I really doubt that it's just there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's critical, you know.
0: Every type of activity in terms of not only climate change, but in general uh, societal problems, we can do a lot of things, but if it's not sustainable, it really doesn't make sense. We're just putting a lot of effort and potentially money into something that wouldn't make a difference in the long run.
1: Yeah, and sustainable, you know, sustainable development has three pillars. You know, economies, uh, the social pillar, and an environmental. uh, So, if one of the three basic uh, pillars of of it does not even know contributing to, uh, it doesn't make sense.
2: Now, one of the since most of our, I'm guessing most of our listeners are in the scientific fields and probably academic. One thing we can do is just to integrate. Um, climate change into anything that we teach. So I teach both biology and marketing by social media. It's easy to uh, incorporate uh, the, the climate change angle into the courses that I teach. But with marketing by social media, I mean, it's marketing. But so the way I integrate it, just as an example of how you can do that, is I center most of, pretty much all of my case studies and examples on... Sustainability. Every um, so, I get the students to prepare a social media marketing plan, and the businesses they're supposed to create a market plan for a real business. And the examples that I give them to choose as the company or organization to develop the plan for are they all are in the sustainability space. So this is just one example how you can incorporate. Um, that topic into anything you teach any anytime you get up and talk you can relate it somehow and if you keep repeating it that constant repeating becomes um, unintentionally automatically becomes part of people's psyche. Okay, so
0: Ruben will be our resident correspondent in terms of uh, climate events around Europe especially. Where can people get in touch with you, Ruben?
1: By, through Speckle. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Just send me a message and I will reply to it.
0: I will <laughs> include the links to your accounts on those uh, platforms so people can get, get to you and, and talk to you What about their approaches and... Um, potentially contributing to the document you mentioned as well. Uh, also I w- in the show notes we will include the link to the slides that we presented in the Congress in Lisbon so you can get a better idea of what we spoke about and then you can also uh, have more concrete questions for Sherry as well because she's really the person who can help you on on that type of starting that type of activities on really getting to know your audience and targeting it properly. So this is all the time we had for today. Unfortunately, we <laughs> all good things must come to an end. I really wanted to thank our co-host a lot and even more so to Ruben for finding the time uh, to join us again for a second time on our podcast. Thank you very much, Ruben, for joining us. Uh, as I mentioned, I will include in the show notes lots of useful links. So make sure you found our our podcast on your podcast catcher and get to follow both Ruben and us on the different channels that you prefer. You can also find a lot of information on our website, psychomjc.org and leave a comment or get in touch with us on whatever you might uh, want to talk to us about or get an advice or get involved with our team. You can subscribe also to our newsletter via our website and get updates on all of our coming events, Twitter chats, podcast releases, summaries of very interesting psychomy topics. Again, this, all this you can do via our website www.psychomjc.org. Maybe you've noticed that we have a lot of new content as well. Our wonderful intern Kimia is keeping busy with summarizing books, publications, on various uh, super interesting topics related to science communication and outreach in the context of very much real life topics. So thank you Kimia for all the help with this. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback on those summaries and to check them www.sicomjc.org. If you're interested in doing an internship with our team, just get in touch with us and we'll find uh, something that matches both our needs. SciCom JC is sponsored by Captive Touch, a company offering consulting and training for strategic science communication. It is recorded by the SciCom JC team produced and edited by me, Nevena Christozova. Our music is composed by Musical Cocktail from Audio Jungle. Thank you for joining this 12th episode of the SciCom JC podcast. If you liked it, let us know and please make sure to rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Until next time and stay nerdy.